Welcome back to another episode of Kicking It with Coach Red, where we bring you all the news, stories, takes, and opinions about your favorite teams from the Pacific North Fresh, from the good to the bad to the Mariners. Let's not talk about the Mariners, the Mariners right now. We're getting some we're getting some smoke on social media. Sure are. Our Mariner stuff, but don't worry, we'll talk about the Mariners next week. We are going to dive into a team that because Kane's not the biggest college football guy, we've kind of stayed away from a little bit. But when historic Sorry. things happens, you talk about historic things. So, I did watch the last three games, so there's that. We're gonna be talking about the college football playoff bound. Washington Huskies, number two in the nation right now. But before we get into that, Undefeated why don't I – You need to stop interrupting me, big guy, if we're getting ready to do the intros. Chill it up, big guy. All right. Before we get too far into that, why don't I tell you a little bit about us. If you're looking for a guy, you know, the head, the father figure of this podcast, the guy that knows Every in and out on how we go about this, kind of like Kalen DeBoer. If you're looking for a guy like that, maybe you look for a guy like me, your boy Coach Red. You can find me on Twitter at the Real Coach Red, on Instagram at the Real underscore Coach Red, TikTok at the Real Coach Red. Also, find us over on YouTube. Search Kicking It with Coach Red. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two. And if you're looking for a guy that's going to give you that little extra sizzle, he's our little sizzle boy, just like Ryan Grubbs, OC to the stars. Maybe you're looking for a guy like Kane. Yeah, I'm Kane. You can find me on Twitter at Kane2406, on YouTube at Kane06, TikTok and Kick, Kane0624. Come check me out. We're playing Lethal Company with the boys. Uh, Follow the show's socials. Over on Twitter and Instagram at Coach Red Pod. False, false, false. Do it, freaking do it. Huskies are sitting at 13 and 0 on the season. And how did they get there? Well, why don't we break down the schedule? Let off the year at home versus Boise State. A little sluggish to start, but come out on top 56 to 19. Followed up in week two against a Tulsa team that has been good in years past. Come out of that one ahead 43 to 10. Then go to Michigan State. This was a home and away. Uh, Michigan State during this week, Mel Tucker gets suspended. So the team was in a little bit of shambles, but UW went up and showed out in this game. Jalen Millen gets hurt in this game, but the Huskies still come out ahead 41 to 7. Come back home, first Pac-12 game of the year. Uh, get out to an early lead against Cal. Cal comes scraping back in garbage time against some of our number twos and number threes, but win that game 59-32. to 32. Following week, you go down to Arizona. They seven-point win, 31-24. to 24. Uh, You were sitting there. Jaden Delora got hurt the week before, so I believe it is Fatua comes in, Noah Fatua, who has got – who really steamrolled after he got the starting job and actually played really well and is probably going to be looking like one of the Heisman hopefuls at the beginning of next year. Huskies get him in his first game. There was a lot of uncertainty with this game, but now you have Arizona, who's the third highest-ranked Pac-12 team. Big win there. Come home. First game against Oregon this year. Nail-biter. Late-game heroics. 
but he Husky missed the game, kick. Missed the kick, 36 to 33. Then you kind of get into the area that the Huskies have struggled. They did it last year. They had back-to-back losses late October, and you had some games that you struggled. You're coming off a big game against Oregon, playing Arizona State at home. It is a defensive battle. They kept Michael Penix off balance all day, and defense really held tough during this game for a 15-7 to win. Follow that up against Stanford, who was just coming off that huge comeback against Colorado. Uh, pretty get gritty back-and-forth game. UW ends up on top, 42-33. to Then you go down to USC. USC still ranked. Uh, you know, they're in it. They're fighting. They're doing big things. And this was what was billed as a Penix versus Caleb Williams battle. But Dylan Johnson steals the show. And the Huskies come rushing out of USC with the 52 to 42 win come back home. Kind of another one of those potential letdown games. Utah wasn't playing super hot. Utah coming off of a big win. It's later in the season and Utah comes in, but they cannot win. And UW walks off with 35 to 28 victory. Then you go to Oregon state. Absolutely downpouring all game. Definitely affected both quarterbacks and UW comes out on top. 22 to 20. It was a a gritty game, I'll tell you that. Oh, Oh, man. A lot of gritty games throughout this whole schedule for the Huskies, especially from the Oregon, even the Arizona game on. Battle-tested. I think that really helped them in winning time, if you will, in these late games because you Mm -hmm. go right into the last Apple Cup of the Pac-12. And there was a lot riding on this game. You know, you have WSU, whose uncertainty at the time going forward – what was their scheduling going to be like? Are they going to have a mass exodus of players? And they needed one one win to become bowl eligible. And it was tooth and nail to the end. Little trickeration, a game-winning field goal, and a scholarship handed out after the game and a 24-21 yeah. to 21 victory. Then you go into the Pac-12 title game down in Vegas. And what a, what a game. Oregon favored by nine and a half. Oregon had been steamrolling some some teams later in the year. And I think that they didn't get the best showing against Oregon State because it was told that Jonathan, Jonathan Smith was going to be taking the Michigan State job and told his team the day before this game. And Oregon State looked flat. Oregon rolls easily. It was a battle. UW comes out swinging early holds off Oregon there in the middle, a little back and forth action, and then really takes over in the fourth quarter when it gets to winning time. This is just a team with a bunch of grit and resilience. The offensive playmakers, Penix is obviously leading the charge, but there's a slew of characters, both offensively and defensively, that put the Huskies in the position that they're looking at going and facing Texas New Year's Day in the Sugar Bowl for a chance to go play for the natty yeah it's been an insane ride i have been you know looking at the scores and all talking to you about it here and there um the last three weeks have been something and you know as you said that the orchid opened at nine and a half um yeah my buddy who is an Oregon fan dumbfounded He's like, how can they be a favorite to a team they lost to? By, by almost two by two scores. Yeah. Like on a neutral field. 
they, the the Huskies beat them last time. How in the hell is Oregon favored? And he he, he put five on them. So before before we get into the individual stats, let's talk about this key stat that every Husky fan will appreciate. Um, since the Huskies' last loss, which in the Kalen DeBoer era, he's had two losses, both in his first year, back-to-back versus Arizona State and UCLA. Arizona State, UW's kryptonite. But it, since UW has lost their last game, they've beat Oregon three times. And oh, it, in the last year of the Pac-12, this is the only year in the history of the Pac-anything that UW – and Oregon have played twice in a year, and to have UW come out on top two times in the same year, whoo, absolutely nuts. Love it. And just because everybody, you know, rides Oregon's junk, that's basically what it is. Yep. But let's get into some individual stats. We'll start off with the high-powered offense. Heisman hopeful, Heisman trophy ceremony this Saturday. Finalist, Michael Penix Jr., 307 completions on 466 attempts, 4,218 yards, 33 TDs, nine picks, and sprinkle in three rushing touchdowns. You know, besides really the USC game and the Arizona State game, he did a very good job of getting over 300 yards, having a positive touchdown to interception ratio, being opportunistic with his legs when needed. And dude's a winner when it comes to clutch time, he gets it done and he's resilient. And like last year for the late Heisman push for him, because he started coming on really strong at the end of the year, everyone said, I want to be like Mike. And when he was holding the, Pac-12 player of the game trophy and was getting interviewed. I was like, this looks like a little kid that you threw an oversized shirt on. It's like, I want to be like Mike. <laughs> like Michael Jordan. I thought that was I thought that was Michael Penix. And the dude shocks everyone and comes back for his senior year, which brings a lot of his playmakers back and really set up for this run for the national title. They've been they've been itching for this since last year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh he has been absolutely amazing outside of two games but you know the two games don't really matter because they're still undefeated um but from what i saw you know he has been great he does struggle at times but he usually bounces back at some point in the game and it's usually when they need it most honestly and he played through, like, when you look during, like, the Arizona State and Stanford games, reports came out after. Like, he was fighting the flu, wasn't even practicing during the week. And just the resiliency to come out and still win those games and put your team in a position to win, I think, was huge. Yeah, exactly. A guy that I didn't think was going to be this prolific of a rusher, Dylan Johnson, kind of built yeah. in, coming as a tough-nosed runner, but a primary – uh, pass catcher out of the backfield coming from the Mike Leach system when it was the Didn't air look raid. like it. <laughs> oh, the tides turned early in the season. They were kind of mixing it up. But as soon as that USC game hit, Dylan Johnson went ham. He finishes the year with 201 carries, uh, 1,113 yards on the ground, 14 TDs. He also sprinkled in 19 catches, which I thought was lower than I expected for 148 yards. And – 
he's been playing with a banged up foot yeah. for the last three weeks. And what he did at the end of that Oregon game, just pushing forward and falling forward and seeking contact and inflicting punishment. Oh, he does not look like a pass catching back. I'll tell you that. Big respect for Dylan Johnson. He looks like a bulldozer out there. Oh, my goodness. The next guy I wanted to sprinkle in because, realistically, there wasn't a whole lot of guys that got carries as soon as the year went along. You had the likes of Will Nixon that was getting some carries. Uh, Richard Newton popped up in the Pac-12 championship game. Looks like he'll be able to go big-time goal line guy for – the Huskies a few years back, but I want to point out a wide receiver who kind of gets mixed in with the wild card and some jet suites. Jimmy Bernard, 12 carries only 39 yards, but a couple of TDs and in key spots, you know, run that fly sweep and just having a nose for the end zone. This was a guy that was committed to Washington under Jimmy Lake. When he got fired, he opened up his recruitment, went to Michigan State for a year, and just wanted to come back to Washington. This guy that's out of Nevada comes back and really stepped up when Jalen McMillan got hurt. The stats aren't there. He's not a prolific. He's not as experienced as McMillan and Adunze and Polk and familiarity with the system. But I thought that he really stepped up in a multitude of ways and even on the return game. But I wanted to point him out in some rushing stats because he threw in a couple of rushing TDs from the wide receiver position. All right. (laughs) Oh, my bad. Let's talk about them pass catchers. The sizzle. Let's start at the top. A guy that arguably could have made a case to also be – where Marvin Harrison Jr. is. Roma Dunze clocks in with 81 catches on the year, 1,428 yards and 13 TDs. A man among boys, a guy who's was not looked at as a first-rounder and in the NFL draft this year, I don't think he's getting out of the top 10. Really increased his stock. Big physical guy. Has been comps I've seen. Jamar Chase, Devontae Adams with the body the Devon- type. The Devontae uh, the Devonte Adams. Oh, it's so spot on. So spot on. He's just a bigger one. It's crazy. Next, we go to uh, Jalen Polk, uh, transfer from, I believe this was Texas Tech a few years back. And when Jalen Millen comes down, he really stepped up into the number two spot, ends the season with 60 catches, 1,000 yards on the dot, eight TDs. And uh, I think for the longest time, it still might be there. He has the most receiving yards of any underclassman because he's still considered a sophomore in the eyes of college football. Big season, a thousand yard season as a sophomore. Big to see. Yeah. Next guy is Jalen McMillan. Uh, the catches are down, but he really he went out in the second quarter of the third game, kind of tried to come back late in the year wasn't really ready, was kind of flirting with being on the field, really comes back against WSU and Oregon State. So we're really looking at four and a half games worth of stats here. Uh, you know, just 34 catches, 468 yards and three TDs. From from what I've seen, he is the absolute definition of a deep threat. Well, oh, he's, man. And he's a great possession guy. He's a guy that he gets lost. If we're comparing it to the Seahawks, I would say that he's kind of that security blanket. He mm. is – he can get the big plays, but th- this is your Tyler Lockett. This that is your catch, Doug Baldwin. That Doug- catch he made in the net in the Pac-12 championship was nuts. Yeah, 
Next guy that kind of filled in at wide receiver three was going to be your wide receiver four, Jimmy Bernard. Clocks in with 31 catches, 371 yards, and two TDs. And I got to have love for a guy in the tight end room, former walk-on, Jack Westover, 35 catches, 332 yards, four TDs. But when it was super clutch time and He's a vacuum. the first down, acrobatic plays to bail out this offense. There were so many third and fourth down need to convert that Westover is making a play. And you wouldn't be where you're at without Jack Westover on this team. Yeah, uh, it, my big thing from him was in the Apple Cup. It seemed like when they needed something, he was the go-to guy. Um, it, it, man, vacuum hands. That dude just catches everything. Within his vicinity, he had to, like, lay out for a, a, a few. ball. <laughs> and, uh, you know, one was overthrown. But, hey, the effort, love to see it. But the other thing is we need to highlight this offensive line. Roger Rosegarten, Julius Buell, Parker Brazelford, Nathan Capello, and Troy Fantineau. With the switch in the USC game where the run game became um, – this made it a more balanced team and I think really helped power them through. They were great, and, and Brazelford wasn't even starting at the beginning of the year. He comes in due to injury and absolutely great – I think he ended up second team all pack 12. This dude is going to be a staple at the center position for this team for a long time. And he's going to make an NFL team very happy when he makes it there, barring any injuries, but they also only gave up 11 sacks on the year. And for how many, for 446 pass attempts, that's just by Penix. We're not even, I didn't even throw in garbage time by Dylan Morris, but Mm. you're looking at, damn near 500 dropbacks and being sacked 11 times on the air. And there are some players in the Pac-12 that can get after the quarterback. And this line performed admirably and stellarly. They're up for one of the best line for the award for the best line in college football right now. Big us yes, offensive line. And I, I heard that one of their players, like I, I think it's the Troy guy. Troy the, Fayette, yeah. Yeah, they're saying that he is a super stud and he is also going to be a high draft pick. Yep, looking like a potentially a first round pick. Yeah. So love to see that. Got a too. handful on this team. Let's hop over to the defensive side. I just wanted to highlight a few guys that I thought uh, really stood out. First one is going to be Braylon Trice. Gets five sacks on the year, 41 tackles, but leads the NCAA and pressures with 68 on the year. He led the NCAA last year with 70. You know, a lot of times he's bearing down and guys are just throwing the ball out of bounds. Not He was disruptive all year. Even though he wasn't getting to the quarterback a lot, he affected a lot of games defensively. And his running mate, ZTF, comes with 28 tackles and 3.5 sacks. This is a guy that blew up in the COVID-shortened year, fought some injuries, back on the field for his last year with the Huskies and is a guy that can also be fast switch. And both these guys are really going to factor in when it comes to the playoff on getting after the opposing team's quarterback. Then I want to go to the next level. Uh, Ulufa Shio, their middle linebacker, first team all pack 12 clocks in with 83 tackles, three sacks and a pick. That pick was a pick six. 
then we got to go to the defensive backs. There were times where they got burned a little bit, but with this, you knew the power of this team was in the offense. The defense needed to do just enough to win games, and some of these guys really showed up. Big guy Dom Hampton out of the safety position, playing a little bit of slot, led the team in tackles with 92, has two picks. You know, the next guy I want to talk about, probably the biggest stud, Oklahoma State transfer Jabbar Muhammad, 42 tackles, two sacks, 10 passes defended, and three picks on the year. And I think throwing a fumble recovery. And a guy that I think has been coming on real strong, real late, looked phenomenal in the Pac-12 title game. I'm going to slaughter this last name, just telling you. Uh, Cameron <laughs> Faba Kulnanan. Is that, that number, is that number four? No, four ZTF. Uh, uh, he was coming out of the safety position. He had he blew up a couple of screens where he just saw a screen, went downhill, got it in the backfield. His instincts during the Pac-12 title game were on point. And this is a team where Trice is going to be drafted early because of his ability to pressure not very many of the other guys on this defense are probably going to be taken in the higher rounds, but opportunistic. That's how I want to do this resilient when they needed to be. There were some games where people are saying UW's going to lose this game because their defense can't hold up. Well, they made plays when they needed to. Yes. And I think did. that was huge. Speaking yeah. of plays, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven plays of the year. Rated by me, your boy, Coach Red. None by me, because, well, I, I I saw a couple from the last three games. Uh, I do have some of those on there. First one I want to talk about is probably the game that saved the, uh, the one play that saved this undefeated season the most. And that's going to be Mish Powell, former walk-on, got a scholarship last year. His 89-yard pick six against Arizona State to seal that game. It was huge huge Mm -hmm. and without that i don't think i don't think that they're in this conversation for going to the college football playoff the next Mm -hmm. one i want to talk about is the fourth down reverse against wsu in the apple cup everyone's biting hard and Penix sells it flips it to a dunze for about 35 yards to go put him in field goal range the nuts on DeBoer and grub to run that play in that moment Huge, because if you do not convert, WSU is real close to field goal position, and UW is in potential of losing the Apple Cup. Yeah, uh, that was my that was my uh, trap game for the Huskies coming into it because last Apple Cup, it's going to be a bloodbath, which it kind of was. Uh, and it's the rivalry, you know? It's who dominates Washington in terms of football, right? And for them to do the things they did in that game to come out on top, it was just nuts. Next play I've got is from the regular season game against Oregon. Roma Dunze and Michael Penix hooking up for a touchdown to retake the lead with a buck 38 left. It was a quick score, almost too quick, luckily, Oregon's kicker pushed the field goal, but to put this into OT, but those two are just on another level and it was awesome. 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 
my next play is going to be probably the most emotional play for the year. Uh, ZTF Zion Tuafulolu, I believe. I sounds sounds close. Call him ZTF. Um, after the Stanford game, during the game, finds out that his father passes away, comes plays the next week, gets a strip sack of Caleb Williams. Really, one of the few negative plays that USC had that, and it turned directly into points. And for a guy that had such promise with seven sacks in the four games in the COVID year, he was looked at to be that next great Washington pass rusher. It didn't really pan out that way. But for a kid that went through injuries and deep loss, to do that against a Heisman Trophy winner a week after the passing of your dad, that was huge and emotional for this team. Mm-hmm. The next one I have isn't necessarily a play, but it was a fun thing to see, and it was the Cal game. You had UW up 14 to nothing before they touched the ball offensively. You had the pick six by Ulufushio, and then you had Roma Dunze take one to the house on a punt return. So mm-hmm. that was a pretty good way to start the game, and then they uh, forced Cal to punt again. So it was 14 nothing before the offense touched the ball. <laughs> Late in the, I was sitting there like, you gotta, we gotta get Michael Penix on here. If we're trying to get that Heisman, we gotta get some stats. But damn, he's not gonna play this whole game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the next one I have is biggest play of this kid's career, and it's Quentin Moore. Quentin Moore, his touchdown catch in the Pac 12 title game leaks out, just sold it perfectly. It was his second catch of the year. Look, you want to hear some more crazy stuff? Local yes, guy from the Seattle area ends up going to JUCO, goes to, uh, I believe it's Independence, Kansas, uh, was there with uh, the coach on Last Chance U for seasons two and three. Jason Brown was there. Ends up being one of the top tight ends in JUCO, transfers to UW, comes back home, and what a perfect moment for the hometown kid. Yeah. Speaking of another perfect moment, Grady Gross, game-winning field goal in the Apple Cup, gets rewarded with the scholarship right after. And there's so many good moments and fun moments. And we often take for granted when a team's doing well that you root for some of the trials and tribulations. I remember watching the last year of Tyrone Willingham in I believe it was 2007, 2008, and watching an 0-12 Washington team. And then you go to Sark, who's the coach of Texas who you played. Then you go to Peterson. Then you go to Jimmy Lake, who I thought was going to be a slam-up head coach. Doesn't make it through the season. You get a guy that has had success in Division three, success as an offensive coordinator, played pretty well, had some good teams at Fresno State comes in and just proves to be a guy in the mold of Peterson. He's like Peterson with a little bit more personality. You could tell that his players love playing for him and he finds his kind of guys. When you look at the star rankings of the teams, you know, from their high school recruiting rankings, when you look at UW, they are the only team in the college football playoff that does not have a five-star recruit. Yeah. This staff and this team have done so much to position themselves. They're resilient. And 
a lot of that boils down to the message you get from your head coach. And there's not a lot of frills with him. He's not Dan Lanning, who we're not here for the clicks, but is making very clickable and wanting to hype up his guys like he had said before the Colorado (laughs) game. This is just a team that goes and gets stuff done. And big ups to Ryan Grubbs. Ryan Grubbs was offered the offensive coordinator job at Alabama, turns it down to come back to UW. Big ups. Huge. Now let's get to our top performances. These are single-game performances, and these are my favorite games of the year. I'm going to start off with our Heisman hopeful, and it's Michael Penix Jr. Uh, His game against Michigan State was great and this could have the game didn't get close but in the second quarter he loses Jalen McMillan but he goes out and is 27 of 35 27 completions 473 yards on 27 completions that's not or TDs that's crazy that was so fun to watch uh the next one I'm gonna go with Roma Dunze during the regular season against Oregon. This was the game where he really put himself out there. I've got some people I work with who are live in the Oregon area and we placed a friendly bet on the Pac-12 title game. And when we were talking about it, he said, if we can stop a Dunze, well, we have a shot, but that is just a dude because in the first game, he goes eight catches, 128 yards and two TDs including the clincher there at the end of the game. Yeah. Then the next one I want to go with is Jabbar Muhammad against Oregon state. Oh yes. Oh man. Two he picks, was sh- two he was picks so in the game down a fumble recovery. And he had four passes defended. Two of those obviously were the picks and it was so tough to throw in that, but Oh man, was he sticky that day? And he was the guy all year that was tasked with following the top wide receivers. Granted, there were some big plays that came up, but when it got to crunch time, Muhammad was the dude. He was the I, dude. I even texted you during that game and said, this number one dude is him. Like, oh, he I was out of his mind. And, and the deflections outside of the picks that you mentioned did come late too. When the game was on the line, he's in there just throwing the ball down. It was great. But for me, the top performance of the year, Dylan Johnson, first USC, 26 carries, 256 yards. That's a 9.8-yard average in four tutties. That's crazy. That Dude, You don't ever I, see that. Not out of this team, especially, because you looked. They had Wayne Talapapa, who was good but not great last year he's a very solid back you knew what you were going to get you got a little bit more with dylan johnson this year and the turning point was that usc game that's when you saw this go to a more balanced offense did it impact michael Penix's heisman hopefuls it sure did but did it win you games hell yeah it did and i think that if you look at any person on this team the personal accolades i think are great and i think they all want them But if you were to say none of you would get a personal accolade, you would beat Oregon twice in a year and go to the college football playoff with a real opportunity to win, even though Vegas doesn't like it. I'm going to, I want the most battle tested team. And this team is battle tested. The PAC 12 was one of the best conferences in the year when Arizona ends up as 
the third highest rank behind Washington and Oregon. Arizona wasn't ranked when they played. They beat a ranked Oregon team. They beat a ranked USC team who is now out of the rankings. They beat a ranked Utah team that is now out of the rankings. They beat a ranked Oregon State team and beat Oregon again. Yeah. That's a ton of tough matchups. And this wasn't just the old Pac-12 of old where you have – this is the first time, first time ever that a team has come out of the Pac-12 undefeated since, mm-hmm. since they added Utah and Colorado. You've never yeah. seen it before. What a way to go out. Way to go out on top. The forever Pac-12 champs. That's true. That is true. And it was just – a fun season to watch, but it's not over yet. It's not over in the least. And this is going to be a fun buildup. The hype's going to be built up around this, but you have to also look at it this way. They're playing a Texas team that they beat last year in the Alamo bowl. They did. The viewers played in that game. They sure John did. Robinson did not. Roshan Johnson did. Who's playing on Sundays for the bears right now. Yeah. So you have a team with UW that brings a, a lot of the same cast of characters back. I'm not going to sit here and tell you much about Texas because I was pretty locked in on the Huskies all year and really didn't expand my reach a ton outside of them. But when they're playing the way they are and just their style, of so many nail buyers, like it makes it a lot easier to invest in a team when you're playing these close games, when you can turn the game off in the third quarter, you're not as invested, but, Oh, my God. I saw every one of these games start to finish except for Tulsa because I was a groomsman at one of my best friend's wedding. And uh, over in eastern Washington, we didn't have the Pac-12 network. Thanks, Pac-12. Got him. Got got (laughs) him. If you want some more zingers like that, why don't you give me a little follow a fall on social media. You can find me on Twitter at the real coach red on Instagram at the real underscore coach red. Also on TikTok at the real coach red hop on over to YouTube, search the show, kicking it with coach red, like subscribe, hit the bell notifications, leave a comment or two Kane. Where you at? You can find me on Twitter at Kane 2406 on YouTube at Kane 06 TikTok and kick Kane 0624. Also follow the sh- shows socials over on twitter and instagram at coach red pod false 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 do it freaking do it and as always stay fresh stay fresh peeps peace